0: The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is good And His mercy endureth forever and ever That's what y'all gonna do. The Lord is good And His mercy endureth forever The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Say it again. I want to hear this section right here. The Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. And ever. This section right here. And ever, this section right here. Y'all help me now. Good, and, his mercy forever. and ever, everybody, the Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Anybody know what that's about? Many times when they would go out against the demonic
1: hordes called the ites, he would send Judah out, and they would be marching, singing, and the Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. And the Lord would smite the enemy without anybody raising up a spirit first. So we believe in God that these tornadoes will not have their way here. That God would smite the enemy for trying to bring them. That he would bring down the demonic host that's trying to hold them up. And they would be too big of a burden for them to carry. We believe in God right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now in Jesus' name. I had, a dream, I had a dream several years back that we were trying to break out. And um, there were so many tornadoes in the sky, they looked like jail bars. There were hundreds of them. And as I looked out, there was no place without a long, skinny, green tornado. And they came near us, but they never got us. God protected us. The world was to all to pieces. But the people of God who stood in faith together were not touched by something that seemed certain. But God is, is only one thing certain God can slap a devil off a high horse. That's one thing certain. He'd get up on a high horse, but God'll slap that butt down on the ground. Hallelujah. And so we're going to believe God. And, and I'm calling on this church right now to do one of those extreme shouts. Now, wait a minute. What you call that, Dan? All right, an extreme shout. I'm from the South, so shout sounds like two syllables, shout. I'm calling on the body of Christ in unity to bring a shout before the Lord to smite our enemies, those that would try to stop this service and tear up our property. Because a tornado warning this time of the day is not a good thing. And we need to stand in faith, and we need to believe God. And so we're going to do an extreme shout. I'm going to count down three, two, one. And I want to see a unified and a loud. I want you to stand up and blow it out, Jack. Y'all ready? Three, two, one. Yes! God. Thank you. That's the best one I ever heard. I've never heard a better one than that one. And I've been to some extreme meetings with thousands of people. I ain't never heard a better one from that group of people. This must be like Gideon's 300. Isn't it? Man, somebody's fixing to get a, a, a can of whoop angel opened up on them. Hey Amen. Devil rides up in here. going to be a can of whoop angel opened up. Glory to God. Y'all are wild tonight. That fired me up. Hallelujah. I want the worship team up in the middle here. I want the prayer team. I want the prophets. I want the preacher, whoever that is. Worship team, get right in the middle here. And everybody's going to close up around you. Get up here. Don't be shy. Everybody took a bath. Okay, all right, I want y'all to press in. Listen, every time there was an attack, the congregation's just as important as the priest. Do you hear me? Every time there was an attack, the congregation's just as important as the priest. There's no big us and little you. It's big Jesus, and he's drawing us up. Raising lots of leaders, and me to lead this thing right.
2: Father, I thank you right now that their ears are anointed to hear the Spirit of the Lord. I thank you, Lord, right now that their mouths are anointed to speak the Word of the Lord. I thank you, Father God, that right now that their spirits are alive and quick. I thank you, Father, that the things of the Spirit are tangible. They're made manifest in the name of Jesus. We speak clarity and precision in the spirit realm by the praise and worship team and by Pastor Ballard and by the speakers tonight in the name of Jesus, that every word would be God-breathed, ordained, predestined, that, Father, those would be things of providence spoken tonight, that your word would be declared into the heavenly realms to create and to do the things that you have foreordained for them to do from the foundations of the earth. We speak tonight that your perfect will be done on earth as it is in heaven in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for the spirit of unity. I thank you, Lord, for the spirit of one accord, one mind in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that everything that comes forth tonight would come straight from the throne of God's heaven, from your footstool, from your mouth, from your spirit, by the spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Jesus Christ, have your way. Holy Father, have your way tonight in Jesus' name.
1: All right, worship team. Let's lock it. Let's knock it out. Let's go. No compromise.
3: When we were shouting to the Lord, I heard the loudest roaring (laughs) in my ear, and I could just hear the swirling of the wind, and it was getting louder and louder, and I thought, are my ears stopped up, and I I kept hearing it, and I kept hearing that song that Pastor James wrote about, no fear, no fear, there is therefore now no fear, run to the battle.
0: Hallelujah.
1: You know, I haven't heard a shout like that since we were in... I believe it was Lakeland, Florida, when Todd Bentley was there, and there was a mighty revival going on. And there was a shout that went on for 20 minutes.
4: And at one point, I looked around, I couldn't shout anymore. And I looked around after about 10, 15 minutes, and I realized I could not
1: see a single human being that was still shouting. And the volume, I mean, it would go up and down. And I realized that the angels, the armies of God, were shouting with us. And, and that was happening tonight, folks. That's why it was you hadn't heard a shout like that before, because heaven came down with us and was shouting. I really believe it.
3: The Lord says the breaches that were in the walls are being dammed up. The Lord says the breaches are being stopped because of unity. The Lord says to the watchmen on the walls, Now, when you pray, you will see an instant suddenly. You will see us suddenly. You will see the Lord move mightily because your prayers are not hindered, says the Lord. The breaches are stopped up. Keep the unity. Keep your minds and your hearts stayed on me. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Says the Lord.
5: Many here have mountains in your life, and you have prayed and you prayed and you've not seen the mountains moved. But the Lord says that tonight, the mountains that money cannot buy, the mountains that It don't matter who you know and what your name is and what your mama's name is and your daddy's name is, the mountains that would not move are beginning to shift. And they're beginning to crumble and they're beginning to move. And the valleys that many have been in, there's a lifting in the valleys.
6: Fear, oh, fear, the Lord your God. Fear, oh, fear, the Lord your God. My people, fear, oh, fear, the Lord your God. And bow your hearts before him. Bow your hearts before him. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. He will be our standard, people. There's someone here, and you've been following the Lord for years. In obedience and you've had a map like those old maps that showed the railroad tracks and the little stop signs and you followed the Lord in obedience and so many times you didn't know why you were doing but you did it in obedience to him and the Lord says your time is coming I'm going to reward your obe- obedience The Lord says, it won't be on your couch, it won't be in your car, it won't be in your chair. The Lord says, when you get on your face before me, I'm about to download my mysteries, says the Lord. And you're going to have understanding like you have never had before. But be warned, be warned, says the Lord, because as I'm speaking to you, There will be distractions and many will come to you and try to get you embroiled and involved in situations that you have no business being in. The Lord says, stay on your face before me and let me download my mysteries into you, says the Lord. And I will give you such understanding that you will be like one who is already there before you get there says the Lord.
5: Oh, I'm a consuming fire, says the Lord. I am a ball of fire. And right now, this hour, this minute, this second, I will consume the chains of iniquity. Do you desire it tonight? It is here for you tonight. Do not walk out these doors. Do not leave your miracle behind. I am here. I am willing. I am ready for you, says the Lord. I am that consuming fire that will burn down those chains if you so desire. Do not leave tonight without your freedom.
6: You've been looking for direction and you're looking to see the long plan. And the Lord says that the word is a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet to show you the pitfalls, to show you where not to walk, but tonight he is opening a, a, a window of vision for you, uh, a light that will go farther than you've seen. Just be sensitive and don't reject what he shows you because it's not what you
2: expected. The Lord says that he's coming to deal with the idol of uh, Dagon and the idol of Dagon is is part flesh and part deity And God says anything that's a mixture of God and the flesh is still an idol. It's still flesh. It's all wrong. And God's saying he's knocking that down. He is dealing with that in his church. That he will not take contamination. That you have to speak and you have to walk in the spirit. You have to walk according to his word. Every situation you can't get your reasoning or your self-will involved because it is still it is still flesh. It is still anti, it's just Jesus and anti-Christ. That's all there is. So he says, be very careful and let him deal with flesh and spirit.
4: I actually have two words. I have a word for Pastor Richard. The Father say he have not forgot your obedience. He said because you have been obedient to him and when this church needed you to come die here and you needed to be a part, you said yes, Lord. And because you have been obedient, he said that he's going to restore you as a ruling elder, that he's going to place that mantle back on you. So be ready, my son. And um, I know... There's five people in here, and the, and the Father say, you're you at this place where you say, I'm going to fake it until I make it. God says, no such thing as faking it until you make it. He said, make him tonight the Lord over your life, because he's trying to save you right now. If you don't make him Lord, you're going to lose this game.
2: The Lord says he's calling forth the Jacobs. If you are a third generation, an Abraham and Isaac and a Jacob, he said, I'm calling forth the Jacobs to take your position. And if you do not stand up and take it, one will subplant you. Take your position as a Jacob. Call on the whales of Abraham and Isaac. And he said, you cannot wear it like a badge. It is to be worn as a mantle. Because a badge has the pride of man, but a mantle carries the glory in the presence of the Lord.
6: I feel like God's saying to me and probably to some of the rest of you that this is um, the beginning of a new season. And I'm not talking about our natural seasons, but a new season in God. And we're going to have to draw near to God and make sure we stay near to God. And he promises us in his word that if we draw nearer to him, he will draw near to us. So we can thank him and not be afraid. And no matter what comes our way, knowing that he's in charge.
3: I feel like the Lord is saying tonight that he chooses flesh and blood to speak to his people. He could come down in the congregation just as easy as having somebody that's flesh and blood speak it. But it's for a test for you. And the Lord says, don't let your flesh keep you from hearing what God has to say to you. Don't let how you personally feel about anybody who is a prophet hinder you hearing the word of God for you because these people lay on their face and they're responsible before God for what they say and it, it's a great responsibility and we don't take it lightly but God says just be very careful that you don't discount what God's trying to say to you okay, y'all can be seen. Go ahead.
4: I just feel strongly in, in my spirit and I keep hearing don't call the things that God has called holy unholy. Don't take the things that God has set aside as holy and play with them. Don't look at them as, as things that, that you are, are going to laugh at, that you're going to poke fun at, that you're going to mock. Because God said He won't be mocked. He said what He calls holy is holy and treated as such.
3: Y'all can be seated. It's my great pleasure tonight to be able to introduce our speaker to you. He, um, I can testify that he's the same at home that he. you see him out in public. He doesn't act one way up here and another way at home. And um, he has a word for us tonight, and it will profit us to listen and apply it to our life. I want to welcome Pastor Bauer.
1: I got. It. Thank you. We got to set up for a for a skit uh, first, and while they're setting up for the skit, uh, if this if if you're a pastor, a senior pastor, and this is your first night, I want you to stand up. Come up here, sir. I want to give you a, a CD and a book. It's a gift. I know you're busy all the time. We thank you for coming here. You didn't need another meeting. I know that. <laughs> thank Amen. Thank you for coming. If you've been here all three nights and you don't have a CD of uh, Anita Frady, who's up here, who it's a brand new CD. It was cut here in our in our uh, studio, which is there. We have a Digital studio, which comes out in here, you notice we don't have a sound booth. It's all digital. Uh, and you've been here all three nights. You've been here early. You ain't wasn't late. And you didn't leave until the Holy Ghost was through. I want you to raise your hand. You don't have one of these. Okay? No? Who, pass that down, please. Who was it? Oh, yes, ma'am. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, do you? Okay. Pass that down, please. Who, else, who Who's back here? Please pass it down, please. Yes, sir. All right. This is a question. It takes a little bit of guts to answer. If you have a little bit of problem with your finances, I mean, you barely make it... Uh, You've been in debt. You've got credit card debt. You might not have credit card debt. You just have a struggle with being on top of your finances. It seems like you take three steps forward and two steps backwards, and you will read something that will change your life and change your finances. I want you to raise your hand. Don't, don't give me no junk now. Who was first, okay? Okay. I think I'm about to go get more books out. Please give me some. You'll hang on. I'll get some more. If you're in the same family now, y'all can share this thing. Share one of these books. I I just want to be a blessing to people. You know, a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, all they believe in is receiving. I believe in giving. And uh, come on, follow me down. Pass that down to him, please. Okay. So these three right here. Three out. Here's one right here. Share it with your brothers, too, and your sister-in-laws and everybody. Excuse me. Right here. One right there. My heart is when you come back next time, you be the head and not the tail, the top and not the bottom. That's my heart for you. Who else? All right, you need to to read that. You need to carry your kids to it like a Sunday school class at your house so they won't struggle like you struggle. Took me a long time to learn about finances, and Pastor Han was a genius. He was a fifty percent giver for over forty years, the most prosperous man I've ever seen. You know what prosperity is? When you bow your head and pray, when you say amen, God brings it to you. That's prosperity, and Pastor Han taught us that. And there's several of us walking in that. And I want you to walk in it. So if it's anybody else that was kind of shy, if you'll come to me after the service, I'll make sure you get one of these books. They're wonderful. Uh, Pastor Richard Knapp wrote the book. Where you at, Pastor? Right there? It's a great book. It's got a lot of scripture in it. And you can stand on these scriptures, and it will literally change your life instantly if you'll walk it out. It will transform the way you look at finances. You won't be nitpicky anymore. You won't be stingy anymore. You know you're free when you give like a fool. When your family starts talking about you, it's talking about, you know you ain't going to never have nothing giving all your money to that church what do you mean you're giving 10% I said that's just the beginning huh he said you ain't gonna never have no money like me He pull out a roll of hundred dollar bills and I had probably six dollars to rub together at the time so you're never gonna have nothing you're never gonna be nothing you're never gonna own a house you're never gonna have no benefits. You're going to drive raggedy cars? (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. Our God cares for us. And if we work his principles, he will turn your life around. Me and Buddy and Dan and Pastor Han went to get our first sound system. It was that raggedy PV that y'all use outside. We paid $1,050, and we all went in, for, all four of us, said we'll pay the $50 a month payments, and we were scared to death we wasn't going to make them. Wasn't we, Buddy? Buddy looked at me and said, you think we're going to be able to make them payments? I said, I don't know, Buddy. We might have to go do something, cut grass or something. That's where we came from. We were church mouse. We did have nothing. But I'm telling you, God has turned it around in everybody I know that works these principles. Everybody that works these principles, he turns it around. And it don't matter what job you got. So you're talking about the difference between natural ability and supernatural ability. I know a pastor that never made over $16,000 a year. And when he retired, he had $848,000 in the bank. You explain that. And that was like 30 years ago. You know why? He was a good steward. He used principles. And that book right there saved save your life. It will change your life. So with that, the uh, Fort Revival Players.
4: I know I should worship
3: and all that stuff, but... I just I just don't know about that. I mean, they they all look a lot more spiritual than me. I don't I don't feel no. I, I, that's just that's just not for me. I'm not I'm not that kind of person. I don't I don't I don't think I really need that. No, no. I don't you know that they just they just look. I, I don't know. I don't I don't think I really should do that. I, they they say a lot about that. I just don't I don't don't think I really need it. You know.
2: know I I worship when I have to and everybody else is doing it but I mean I'm too busy for that kind of stuff I've got chores I've got homework I've got stuff to do but maybe I should just worship right now father you're beautiful no I'm too busy I've got to go Jesus
3: everybody.
0: <laughs> Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. <laughs> right. Okay, handsome. thank y'all
1: we were supposed to have Tracy Stewart come for the Sons of Thunder conference and the Holy Ghost talked to me and said no that's not what you're going to do you're going to have a a 101 praise and worship conference. You're going to reset. You're going to go back to your first love. You're going to go and remember the first things. And uh, I called Tracy Stewart and I said, Tracy, I don't know why. I just know God's told us this time to have a praise and worship seminar for our churches, the Hope Fellowship, a 101 type thing, basic uh, something to draw us back to first things with God. Amen. What we first learned and how excited we were and going back to our first love and pressing, learning to press in again, hearing the word and being doers of the word and not having to be browbeat by a pro-worship leader looking out, out of loathsome much. They won't do anything. And uh, God started dealing with me and told me, who was supposed to speak. And the devil completely attacked one of our lead worshipers, who I think is an elite praise and worship leader. Uh, A man of God. A great man of God. And he got pancreatitis, and I knew we were on to something, bless his heart. I, I wish it hadn't happened, but I knew that that kind of attack, at that timing, we must have found something and got a hold of something. And, uh, the Lord spoke to me and told me to put Pastor Lane up there, who's not a praise and worship leader. But he is an elite praise and worshiper. Yes. You don't have to talk him into it. You don't have to remind him what the words mean. He already knows. He cares enough about God and the Bible. He knows what he's supposed to do, and he's a doer of the word. And that was why he was up here. And I appreciate the ones that were up here. I, I love you. Uh, I just can't, atta- I can't tell you how blessed I've been both nights. I, I was completely undone. Uh, I had to reevaluate my my whole self and, and, and say, are you really what you think you are? And it made me want to be better. It made me want to be a better man. It made me want to be a better pastor. It made me want to be a, a better leader. It, it, made me, it broke my heart that I wasn't at the highest level yet. It's not about which level you're at. It's about the one where you should be with the time you have in. Now, we have plenty of 20 year old Christians who only have one year experience. They're still doing what they're doing at the end of their first year of being saved. They ain't not grown a lick in the last 19 years. There's plenty of that in the church. And, and I, I just kind of looked in the mirror and said, Come on, man. You can go to the next level. You, it's a new season. You can do this. But you've got to do it by faith and you've got to do it with the right heart. Uh, I just started talking to myself and, to, and, 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 and coaching myself up, coach. I know you've had to coach yourself up before to get out of bed Sometimes You just have to coach yourself up. And uh, as Christians, according to Mark 12, 30, we're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, and soul. We, I mean, we're supposed to love him when we don't like nothing else. When we don't even like ourselves, we're supposed to love God. We, that's what we're born again to do. That's the greatest commandment in the New Testament. And, and I find myself, you know, and, and I've heard a lot of people say, Oh, I love God. And they don't even come to church. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So they're lying, right? And and, and I've seen people in church, I'm too tired. My personality don't match what y'all are doing. Just every excuse under the sun of why they won't do what the Holy Bible says they're supposed to do to have intimacy with God in praise and worship. I've seen arrogant pastors walk in with an entourage and set up to preach and never praised and worship and did it after the praise and worship. I've seen the poor praise and worship leader trying to get the people going and finally get them into unity and the arrogant pastor walk in with his entourage and start hugging people who were in the Holy Ghost and drawing them out of the Holy Ghost. I've seen it over and over again like they're a king or something or a god or something. When they should be up here being the chief worship, worshiper and encouraging that praise and worship leader, That I'm with you, I'm going to support you like you support me. And this goes down into the associate pastors. It's man's laid before God. He's got his list. He's getting up there by faith. He's having to work 100 hours a week, and, and, and we don't support him. we got our hands in our pockets, and we got a, a, a phone looking at Craigslist or, or, or whatever we're doing. My, the sacredness of, this, of the temple has been violated long enough the sacredness of a praise and worship service has been violated long enough by the people that call themselves the people of God. It's time for us to encourage one another, no matter who's up there, not know them after the flesh, even if it's a song you might not like too good. I've got a a problem with songs that sound like Row, Row, Row Your Boat. I've always had that problem. I've told you on that. The ones you can't never stop. You start them and you're still going, and they get redundant, and you're trying to keep your worship Jones going, but you want to pull a machine gun out and shoot the speakers out. <laughs> it's a school bus. <laughs> you know, just goes, it it's, it's just grating on you. And I'm honest it's being transparent transition <laughs> and God God grew me up and said it's not your call the Bible says we're supposed to submit one to another and in submission I don't go to him and say don't do that and again I'm going to kill everybody In submission, I let him make the choice. Sometimes God gives me a prophetic choice, and I give it to him, and he's glad because m- almost every time I've ever done that, he's going, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do today. <laughs> and God wants us to work together. He wants us to hold each other. But, but you can't, you know, when I, when I go up here, unless God throws me up there and makes me do something, I go up there submitted to him, even though I'm over him because I gave it to him, and I'm not going to take it back. When I go into one of our home meetings, I'm still the apostle. Still the house, still the vision, the apostles. But it's their home meeting. I gave it to them, and I'm not going to take it back. They might choose to give it to me and say, Pastor Ballard, you know, when you come in, you know, it's your meeting, you've you got anything to say, and I'll I usually say, no, I really don't have anything. But a lot of times I have a, I've had a prophetic word, and it, it put its thumb on somebody, and somebody was set free. So we, we, that's how we work together. To make this thing go. And if you're not working together with your worship leaders, and you're not engaging with them, and you're not encouraging them by doing what the Bible says and following them into the Holy of Holies, there is something definitely wrong. There's a disconnect between you and the Holy Ghost, and you and honoring. In the church, we've lost a lot of the honoring. We've lost a lot of the sacredness. I've been to churches and they have these um, coffee bars and stuff. And we'll be in well into the third song and the glory will be have fallen. And they're walking around back there real loudly drinking coffee and showing each other stuff on, online. It is the most grieving thing to the Holy Ghost that I've seen To discount somebody because you know them well. Even though you don't know what great gift they are until they're gone. Some of you are wondering why you didn't know what Pastor Han was when he was alive. A lot of people didn't know what he was and who he was. He was like Indiana Jones in Nicaragua Jack. Tell me he was famous. He was in Guatemala. You mentioned his name and people's eyes just light up. And you don't realize it until he's gone what you're missing, what he was. You, you'll kind If you don't watch it, you'll take people for granted that are powerful in the Lord. And in praise and worship, if you do that, you take for granted a great team like we've got. And you just kind of don't engage and you kind of got your own thing going in when you come in. It just seriously quenches the Holy Ghost all around you with your kids. They're watching you like a hawk. You leaders... When the kids are up here doing it for Jesus, and you're not doing it, there's kids asked uh, their parents before in our church, "How come Pastor So and So sits down during praise and worship? How come Pastor So and So don't dance like the Bible says?" Kids, even kids, know when it's time to dance. These kids, my grandkids are watching you, and it, it shouldn't be that a three-year-old grand, a three, three, three-year-old Christian, that's a grandchild, twelve or thirteen years old, is more spiritual than my elders, in praise and worship, or my deacons in praise and worship. That you're less engaging than a child. This should never, you should, that should never happen in the Full Gospel Church, ever. If you say you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Sounds like you've gotten a position and not a function. And God gives us an unction to function. Not to have a position. Like you walk in like you the exalted one. Do you hear me? You might wish you stayed home and watched ESPN. Because we're going we're gonna turn over some sacred cows. How can we actually love the Lord like he desires it? I mean, how in the world? I mean, it's like Kathy says, give me a kiss. I don't kiss her on the hand. I don't kiss her like a brick, like she's my sister on the cheek. Why would you not be passionate for your God? There's only one way to reach into the heart of God and move Him on your behalf, and that's intimacy, real intimacy. There's only one way to reproduce what you are as a born-again Christian, and that's intimacy with your God. There's only one way he'll trust the people to put people in their path to lead them to Jesus and disciple them up. It's when you have an intimate relationship with you and he can trust you not to draw back. Because he wants you to show them the way. That's right. A lot of people are into evangelism and outreach and counting how many people they've led to the Lord or prayed some kind of prayer with. But there's no way to be found because something there's a disconnect in your life and they're not going to come to church with you. Don't shout me down. <laughs> intimacy. Another question. How can we hope to achieve intimacy with God or the whole universe? How can we do it? Well, prayer, praise and worship, public and private, giving, serving, etc., etc., but I'm here to make an installment in faith about Praise and Worship 101, a reset, a starting over, a new beginning. That's what I'm here for. We can talk about giving from now. You, you can talk about that somewhere else. But I want to talk about praise and worship like we did it when we were in revival. Real, we were in real revival. Milledgeville, Georgia, we were in revival for three and a half years. It was glorious. It was glorious. We didn't put it on the internet because there wasn't no internet much. We didn't sell books. We didn't let who's who in the charismatic zoo come in and put it on there uh, and send out letters for everybody to come. We didn't do any. We just basked in the Holy Ghost and we worshiped with all our might. Uh, you know, when we break out in revival, we're gonna have to get in shape. So revival's messy. You'll lose your seat to a sinner. You'll look over there, and there'll be a a prostitute sitting there who wants Jesus. Don't get offended. Let's get them set free. There'll be backsliders. We've had a prophecy that backsliders are coming back. But who are they going to follow? Are they going to follow somebody that gives lip service but is really disconnected from the whole counsel of God? When I was coached, I had to have a coach that would walk the walk that didn't just talk the talk. Didn't you, buddy? It just do not work when somebody says to go out and attack hell with a water pistol and he won't get in line and go and lead us into it. You know? And, and I, I've got to have somebody that will do it then talk about it. I've got to have somebody to follow that really is what they say they are when, when my kids, my grandkids look at them in church, they're a model of what Jesus wants them to be, wants them to be and every man, especially in giving and praising and worship and holding their tongue. I've heard several leaders say lately, I don't want a person leading praise and worship who doesn't praise and worship when they are not leading. Yeah. Yeah. Pastors, you praise and worship leader. Do, do they, are they engaged? Are they leading? They, do they praise and worship when they're not leading? Or is it just a job for them? I mean everybody on the worship team. They're lead worshipers. I don't want praise and worshipers to get up there and make love to the microphone and don't make love to God. All they do is sing. They don't do nothing else. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on some sacred cows. Because you like the way somebody sings. It moves you. Sometimes they need to push away from that microphone, and they need to get their butt up there and go to work and tear down devil, devils out of this air. They need to tear down strongholds in all of praise and worship in the whole council of God. I've seen it so glorious in here before and and, and and I've seen I was in a church service one time they were singing thou has turned my morning into dancing into dancing it wasn't our worship team thank God and everybody in the congregation save two or three people in the back was rocking and you looked up on the stage and they were making love to the microphone with their voices and that was it nothing else this was kind of it every once in a while but they weren't doing the seven words they weren't doing what God wanted them to do, holy. Sometimes pastors, when they have somebody that's really gifted, they give them a pass on parts of the Bible. You would rather have somebody that's faithful to God in His Word with a little bit of talent than somebody that's extremely talented, but it's all about them. They're narcissistic in all their ways. I'm a prophesying now. I say this, a person shouldn't lead in a church in any capacity if they refuse as an act of their will to become intimate with the Lord as he writes and wishes. And we have been educated in this conference already. What God desires of us right now, choice becomes disobedience, Or obedience. You have a choice to make. And if you're a leader, you should not be one if your choice is disobedience. You're embarrassment to the host of heaven. We say, well, I'm just not there yet. Well, you shouldn't be up front if you're not there yet. Your pastor put you up too quick and you ought to recuse yourself. Instead of teaching others to be dead like you. If we choose to obey the basic baby milk-fed tenets of this call to real remnant Christians, there are certain benefits and protections that this lifestyle will afford. This is baby stuff. This is stuff we shouldn't have to be revisiting. You, you, You folks ought to have this down, and you ought to be teaching this to your kids in your house or your grandkids in your house. You ought to be putting on CDs if you can't do anything else, and you ought to be dancing all over your living room. Several days a week. So when you come into the church, you don't have to come in to get full. You're already full. And you come into the church, you flow over, and the Holy Ghost breaks out in revival. We ain't gotta drag your dead butt no more. Don't some of you women get get tired of dragging your old dead, dry, milk toast, panty butt husband? Done been punked out by his dignity. Don't you get tired of that women? I've seen guys. You better shut up over here. <laughs> you, can tell we, you can tell we've been married 43 years. Because I'd have dove right over there on her. A... You better watch what you amen over there. I love having fun with y'all. But this is serious. I love it. I love playing much as anybody, but I tell you tonight, I just feel that half the body of Christ has been dragging the other half for a long time. And it's wearing the folks that are faithful down. They've been giving the most. They've been doing the most. They've been worshiping the best. And, and some of you guys will look at your wives and say, quit doing that. You're embarrassing me. You're getting a little too wild for me. You just want to be, you just want to be seen. Man, that's only a judgment the Holy Ghost can make. If it gets too wild, we'll handle it. I'm not going to be afraid to let the Holy Ghost move. Because your personality is all all messed up from something that happened to you when you was a child. And you ain't got free of it. But it's got to stop where half the body of Christ has to drag the other half in the spirit realm. And this poor top half is believing God for revival. And they can't break out because you're not coming into the church full. You, you, you feel with the walking dead. Yeah, you you, you you pressing in to the Playboy channel. And then you come in here, you know how to say praise God. Got your old Jesus buckle. It's like you're trying to talk somebody into what you are. Come on now. And it's your poor wife's dragging you or your poor husband's dragging you. And you're embarrassed about the move of God. You're embarrassed. It's a little bit too much for you. And you ain't never raised nobody from the dead. Because you've never been intimate enough for God to trust you. Mark 16, 15 through 18 says you're supposed to be able to do that just as a believer. You don't need to be a minister. You ain't never cast no devils out. You ran from them. Squealing like a little girl. Because You didn't have confidence enough because you knew that you wasn't right. I'm talking to some folks in here. It's time for you to willingly be taken captive by the Holy Ghost. It's time for us to be give up what we want and what we like for what he wants and what he likes. It's time for us to stand up and get the demons out of the church. There shouldn't be a demon in the church. If we was walking like we're supposed to walk, there wouldn't be no demons coming in the church. You seen our little skit here? This one, that was whining all the time about what he couldn't do. The demons were just killing him in chains. And then the one with ropes, he was always saying he was too busy to, to interact with God. And then the one over here, that was loving God, and the angels were just kung fu fighting for them. There's a reason for that. There are benefits for pressing in and worshiping God. In other words, if I choose as an act of my will to worship and praise the way God desires as written in his holy word, he does something for me. And what is that? It's spiritual warfare. Many people try to do spiritual warfare with their mouth and not their action. The Indians, the the Native Americans have an old saying. I hear what you're saying, but your words have no thunder. In other words, they have no backbone. Because your activity and your life don't back up what you're saying. Like the seven sons of Sceva. They w- they've been watching Paul cast out devils and they just thought, well, yeah, I can do that. And they seven of them. And they jumped on one old little old redneck from South Alabama <laughs> that was full of demons. And the Bible said, that he beat all seven of them naked and ran them outside. Why? Because they didn't have what they thought they had. He said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Are you known in hell? That's what gives you authority to do spiritual warfare. There are literally thousands of demonic oppressions and possessions surrounding our daily life. Thousands of them. All kind of oppression. You can walk into a hospital and if you're spiritually discerning, you'll start praying in the spirit. You better pray before you get there and pray for protection before you go in. You can walk into a, Anybody ever done prison ministry? Man, there's enough demons there to start a new hell. I'm telling you right now, you better be, you better know what you are and you better be real before you go busting up in that junk. Oh man, they, oh buddy, you better you better know what spiritual warfare is and, and, and spiritual warfare has been falsely taught. I rebuke you Satan in the name of Jesus. All the jerking you ever gonna do and the words you ever gonna say, it's not going to be backed up with the thunder of a real man's backbone if you're not a worshiper and a praiser. It's a lie. It's a lie. Now, you might get get rid of a little old imp or something like that, but when you run up on one of them five breathers, you better have an extra set of clothes, will you? But there's these th- thousands of oppressions and possessions surrounding our daily life. And, and I, I personally want to be hid in Christ. I, I want to have such a relationship with him. I'm, I'm hid in Christ and, and I'm, I'm not even noticed by the emissaries of the hell. I'm not even, I don't have to fight. But I have to praise and worship if I don't want to have to fight. Unless God has me on an assignment to snatch one from Hell's Control. Let me give you a story. Pastor Hammock was a captain at the fire department. He's always been a first responder, and I've always he's always been one of my heroes when I was a kid. And I became a first responder. Uh, the police department hired me when I when I was laid off from funeral and it was a federal grant. And I, I went to work there. And I was had been in it for a while. I'd been a detective, been to CSI school, FBI, EBI investigator school. All kinds of schools, you know they, I'd go to any school they let me because you've got job protection if you know stuff. You know, so I would go, and they'd send you, boy they, had, they wrote federal grants, and I'd go get me another school. So, but they never sent me to, to school to cast out devils. <laughs> Hence, in the middle of my tenure doing this first responder thing, I met Pastor Han, and he took me and Buddy and Dan and several more of Joey. And he used to kind of keep us close to him and he would tell us stuff. He would tell us stories about Nicaragua and Guatemala and he would tell us how he got out of it, didn't he? There was no way he should have escaped some of the things he escaped. He went through two communist revolutions on the mission field. They tried to kill him hundreds of times and never could kill him. He knew something. He couldn't dance a lick, but he would dance. He couldn't sing a lick, but he'd sing. He did pretty good clapping in rhythm sometimes. <laughs> then he would make fun of the rest of us because we didn't do it well either at first. We were learning. But he would pour his life into us about spiritual warfare and things like that and casting out devils. And I noticed he had a consistency about him in the early days that he was a worshiper and a praiser. He was militant. And... I didn't know what I was seeing all the time, but then you can look back and realize what happened. And so I was working as a chaplain over in the valley area, and we got a call that officers need help, that there's a suspect, about 145 pounds soaking wet. He was so skinny he had to run around in the shower to get wet. And he was whooping two big police officers by himself. One was 305 pounds and could fight. And the other one was like a kung fu expert at 185 pounds. And he was spinning them and throwing them up in the air and junk. And so as heaven has it, I'm the first one there. And I walk in, and he growls, and demons speak out of him. He says, I'm going to kill you. I don't care if you're a Baptist. (laughs) I don't care if you're Methodist. I don't care if you're Presbyterian or Catholic. When you see a demon manifest somebody with a 12-gauge shotgun pointed between your eyes and his finger on the trigger, you will speak in tongues. (laughs) (laughs) And by this time, I had become a, a radical praise and worshiper. I was young at it. I was new in it. I just come out of the Baptist church and got the Holy Ghost. I just started learning. Pastor Hanneman started downloading stuff about some of the instances that he dealt with, and I defaulted back. And he said, "Pray in tongues, and God will give you an interpretation of what to do." And buddy, I broke that guy said that, and he's trying, and the guy's trying to hold his hand, and he's pulling the hand off the trigger. And I walked up to him, and they couldn't do nothing with him. And I'm praying in tongues. And I, you, you remember that when it said that Peter fixed his eyes on him and said, Silver and go have a none, but what I have I give thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And that dude, I fixed my eyes on this demon-possessed guy who was whooping two big police officers. And God could trust me because I'd been doing the thing daily. I hadn't been playing games. I hadn't been faking it. And I said, I, I, had, I had to make myself quit praying in tongues. I mean, that gun was in my face. It was a 12-gauge. It is scary looking. It's a pump. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. You will not kill anybody. And y'all, it was like somebody hit the shotgun. It went up and flipped up and landed on the bed. And he dropped to his knees, and he's whimpering like a little puppy. It's hungry. Going.
0: <laughs>
1: I said, put the cuffs on him. Let's go. See, spiritual warfare. But it didn't happen because I was anything mighty. It happened because I had a daily, holy, righteous, worshiping relationship. I'm gonna prove it to you in a minute, in Jesus' name. Amen. We went to another call. It was two weeks later, and there was a, a retired lady wrestler who was about six foot two, about 240 50 pounds. And her eyes were going to ever which away, and it freaked me out. I, I was struggling. You ever struggle sometimes? I didn't want to be there that day. I had some things going on in my life, but I was still praising and worshiping. Every time I could get still, I would praise and worship trying to work my way through a, a problem I was going through. And there was this little, little, bitty, skinny police officer, little black guy on the front porch, and he was looking through. The, he wouldn't go in the house. <laughs> he had done got spooked. I mean, he said, he's hey, a hank there. And you got kids looking through the window, we're in the projects, and they're going, uh-oh, Miss Selma's going to whoop them some police today. <laughs> and all we're trying to do is serve a warrant from West Point so they can take her. We want to get her to uh, just go on with them. She going to let her sign her own bond because they know she's a 1096. Uh, that means really crazy. Really crazy. Somebody was really, really crazy. We called him 10,960. <laughs> Just a little bit more than regular. It was 2,192 or 2 times 1096. And y'all, when I looked in there, I got to admit, it kind of intimidated me a lot more than the guy did. Her eyes were going every which way. She was jerking around. She was flexing and jumping. You know, that's a freaky thing to see a woman do, and especially one that big. And back then, I only weighed about 170 pounds back then. I didn't weigh 250. And uh, I was working out. I was running eight miles a day and doing all that stuff. And I felt pretty confident until I saw her eyes shooting over, all over the place. <laughs> so what happened? What happened to me? I started praying in tongues. And the next thing you know, I got the interpretation of what to do. The Lord, uh, the Lord showed me to be bold, that I had a relationship. I could be confident. I opened the door and walked in like I'd known her all my life. I said, Miss Helma, you're not going to whoop anybody. You're going to go with these guys. They're going to let you sign a warrant. It's going to be fine. She stood up. I said, in Jesus' name. She looked at me like a dog, like a hound dog. She stood up, y'all, quit cussing, quit screaming, quit threatening, quit flexing, and all this crazy stuff that freaks me. <laughs> this stuff freaks me out today. I had to get in the Holy Ghost to, to handle this. And she turns around and puts her hands behind her. And they walk her to the car, and they put her in the front seat, and they carry over. The, she you know, she, she waves extradition. She goes on over there, signs a warrant, comes back home. Nobody gets beat up. Uh, there's no show. There's no, nobody gets shot or anything like that. If more of our police officers knew about spiritual warfare and were living right, we'd have a lot less shootings. More of our firemen knew. Be a lot more lives saved. But, but there's not, you know, the, 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 that's a battle for that group of people. Because they see so much it messes them up. But what why? Why did, the, why did God let me, as a young Christian, a baby Christian really, why did he let me have this? They put in the paper, and John can look it up and get it for you. They go in the paper and they said, uh, they talk about the whole fight and everything. And it says at the last paragraph, and I knew a guy wrote it, says, and Chaplain Mac Ballard was the one that subdued him. Well, back then, I wasn't going to take the credit. I called a guy up. I said, it wasn't me. It was subdued him. He said, who who was it? I said, it was God. He said, I can't write that in the paper. They'll fire me. And I told him what happened. He said, that is wild right there, Mac Ballard. Because he wasn't saved, but he believed in me. He knew I believed what I did. So here we are. And I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 20. I believe we have to exercise intimacy with God to be able to do radical spiritual warfare and save people's lives. I believe you'll save the people's lives that are demonic and you'll save your family's lives one day because you're confident in your God, because you know you have a relationship with him and you're actually doing what he says in the Bible to have a relationship with him. The scariest thing in the world is to have a showdown with the devil and you have no confidence. Because you've been too busy for God. 2 Chronicles 20, starting at verse 14. You got a war fixing to happen. And all these ites represent demons, they represent a demonic horde. They're all idolaters. They all hate Israel. They're going to squash Israel, all right? Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehoshaphat, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jil, the son of Mataniah, a Levite son of Asa in the midst of the assembly and he's talking to to Jehoshaphat and he's talking to Judah at this time and he said listen all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat thus saith the Lord to you do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's now what what kind of confidence do you have do you have to have to, to say that You're talking to the king of the greatest nation in the world. God God wants to bring you before great people, but you've got to have the ready word of the Lord when you come. You can't fake it. And this guy, Jehaziel, said, do not be afraid or dismayed. He said in verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the... Ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourself. That position means set yourselves. Set your, set, get, it means army, get in order. Get in your line and stay. Don't jump out of ranks. Get in your ranks and hold on. And watch what I'm going to do for you. So you had to be un- under authority. And being in ranks is being under authority. So set yourself. Stand still. In other words, you're not going to do this by your own power this time. I'm going to get all the glory. And see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear, or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head. What do we do in praise and worship? We bow. Don't stand up like a fruitless weed in the middle of the wheat of God. Bend over and be blown by the wind of God as the fruit catches up in the wind and bow down to him and worship him. The king of the greatest nation in the world bowed down to the king of kings. So he bowed, okay? He had to do something. He bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The leader led them in praise and worship, not the musicians. You hear me, associate pastors? You hear me, senior pastors? You can't sit down looking at your Saturday night special on Sunday Looking at your notes that you're not prepared for and not engaged in praise and worship and anybody out there respect anything you're going to say. He showed them how to do spiritual warfare and they followed him. All of Judah followed him. Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah. The tabernacle of David is in the... In in the tribe of? You hear how all this goes together? He bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Korahites of the children of the Korites stood up to praise Halal to make a boast about the Lord, the God of Israel. In other words, they were empowered to encounter the enemy by the leader. Not by the worship leader. With voices loud and high. That king laying on his face and and prostrating himself and saying, I'm not a king right now. He's the king. Empowered. Those who had authority to be on the worship team, they stood up and they shouted loud and high. It was one of them wall breakers. Anybody ever been to Israel before? Yep, you ever been? You ever been? Um, we went. We went on, We went on this road, and it was on a cliff. What's the name of that city? I've lost it right now. It's the Joppa Road, and and you look over, and it's a a gorge. You look down, it it is scary. The valley of the shadow of death, they call it. And we go to Jericho, and I'm looking how these walls fell. I always heard that the ground split open after they did a loud and a high shout. And it actually sucked the walls down in so they could go across without having to crawl over broken stones and getting hurt y'all we could drive on the wall. It was flat as a flitter in the ground just like the Bible says. And the Israelites run up in there so quick it freaked them out and they took over their inheritance. But it started in praise and worship. They were still first and then they were quiet first and then he says, hold on, now it's time to make a loud shout. And those walls were sucked down in the ground and Instead of being a wall, they were now a road. Only God in praise and worship can take a wall down and make it a road. Only God can take an impediment in your life when you get in praise and worship. He can take that impediment, that mountain, and make it a thoroughfare for you to go faster. God not do it. I saw it with my own eyes. It was wonderful. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, this is verse 20, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established, believing his prophets, and you shall prosper. That word for belief, you're confirmed. You will be confirmed. You will be supported. You will be successful. That's what that word prosper means. That came from praise and worship. A lot of times we think just our giving does that. But really, giving alone don't move you fast into financial prosperity. You've got to treat your your spouse right, the Bible teaches. Also teaches right here you've got to be a praiser and a worshiper. Verse twenty-one. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord. Why did he appoint those? I want you to understand. And this is going to offend some of y'all that think you can sing. In Israel, they had tryouts. Everybody didn't get a trophy in Israel. If you couldn't sing, you coded the instruments, and you were happy about it. I know that's tough on American culture. We'll let just anybody get up there and sing. Even people croak like frogs. And you know, not everybody has every gift to do it. We got to stay within our gift set and be satisfied with the way God made us. And they, they had tryouts is what happened. And, and he appointed, he knew, he knew who could roll. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of His holiness as they went out before the army, were saying, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. Which some renditions of the Lord is good, and His mercy endureth forever. And it was people could sing and play, and people that had a relationship with Jehovah God and worshipped. He knew their life. He knew if He was going to put the life of every soldier in Israel in their hands, that they had to be able to do what they said they were doing and they had to be doing it at the house and they had to be doing it in the temple. He was entrusted. He knew what it meant. He knew that they had to do spiritual warfare for this thing to work because they were outnumbered unbelievably. So he went to the ones. If I'm going to call some people up, I know who to go to. I know who will get with it. If, If I'm down. If I've if, if if I've got pancreatitis or if I've if somebody said I got kids or I've heart problems I'm fixing to call together some people have them come to my bedside and we're fixing to have a praise and worship service and so they have to hold me up And we're going to do some spiritual warfare because all my confession hadn't worked. There needs to be something else added on to it. And that's radical. Holy Ghost, praise and worship by the power of God with no compromise. That's who I'm calling on. Don't you come in there calling this worshiping big time. I need a breakthrough. I need help. I need my life saved. And I know who I'm going to appoint to help me. And that's what he was doing. There's a day, y'all, when your weapon ain't big enough. Andy, he he went through Navy SEALs. He said, there's a time when your weapon ain't big enough. There's a time when your chest ain't broad enough. There's a time when all your kung fu ain't going to work. And that's the time I'm talking about. When you've got to have God and you've got to go to him in confidence because you've been what you said you were. Not what people thought you were. I always hope that one day that my testimony will be as great as my dog thinks it is. Because no matter what I do, my dog's going to come up and give me some sugar. He's gonna come up and put his arm, he's gonna smile, he's Iggy's gonna go. He's a real athlete too. He can get up on his back legs and walk backwards with his arms up until I pick him up and smile. He'll be going. Until I pick him up and then he'll just rub old love on me. Let me tell you, he thinks that I'm the Lord of Lords and King of Kings in his life. That's how I feel about God. I'm like God's puppy. I'm like God's puppy. <laughs> what you want me to do, God? <laughs> Are you foolish enough to be God's puppy? Amen. Are you foolish enough to do what he says? Amen. Are you foolish enough to come to him and look up at him and go, Pick me up. Want, please pick me up. Please, come on, come on, come on, come on. I want to be a part. I want to do this. Help me, help me, help me. I want to be a part. I want to be with you. Amen. That's what praise and ro- that's what adoration is. I'm a great granddaddy and I still feel that way. I probably feel more vulnerable than I've ever felt. But praise and worship gives me confidence. And it helps me break through. And it helps me rock the devil's world. Without it, I have no confidence to even engage. And if you'll get back to it like you once had, and you'll not look at it as something you have to do, but something you get to do you'll learn to do spiritual warfare. And you'll learn to do spiritual warfare that works. So verse 21, go back. And When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord, who would praise the beauty of his holiness. You know, they just didn't sing and make love with the microphone. They praised the beauty of his holiness. They got intimate with God. They didn't have microphones back in. Probably the best thing, decision that they ever made. But they got into the beauty of it. They got into Him, not into their gift coming out that microphone. Talking to somebody. He said, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. Verse 22. Now, when they have begun to sing and to praise to healing. The Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir. You know what Mount Seir means? You know what Seir means? Harry. I'd be embarrassed to be Mount Harry. (laughs) Mount Bushy. Mount Fuzzy. Man, all the boys I grew up with would be dogging you out (laughs) if you had that nickname. But I thought it was funny. They had the funny name. And when God confused them with the praise and worship, Ammon and Moab jumped on Mount Harry and beat them up and killed them. And then they jumped on each other and killed them. Your praise and worship does such spiritual warfare that it confuses the ranks of the demons that's with your enemy and causes them to turn on each other. If you don't do praise and worship with your, with your strength, with your might, with all that's you, you're going to have to do some of the fighting. I done got too old to fight. I done got too old to run. And I don't want to shoot nobody. I never had to before. Never wanted to before. So I'd rather God both slap the devil for me. And the way you do that is you press in daily with a relationship with God. And every time you can, you glorify His holy name. And He builds a confidence in you. And he marks you as somebody he can trust. And he'll raise you up. And you'll be one of the ones that protect the weak. You'll you'll be a rescuer in his kingdom instead of somebody that always has to be rescued because you won't put in the time. Man, it got quiet. And they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Harry to utterly kill and destroy them. When they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there they were, dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. No one. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they can carry away, and they were three days gathering the spoil because it was so much. Now, I have a question. When you go out to war, you put on armament. You go out as men of war, not men of fashion. The Bible said they had a bunch of jewels on. Who in the world Who were they fighting? Said it took them three days to gather all the treasure. And it started when the head leader and his cabinet and then the rest of the leaders and the soldiers bowed down to God. And they empowered the singers and the worshipers to get up and raise a loud shout, a high shout. And the angels of God came and routed the demons of hell. Yeah. And, and, and the crazy thing a lion's spirit had been on them, and they thought it was going to be easy, so they were all in jewelry. And not. You ever seen that before? You got one guy, hey man, you ought to be wearing your armor. Man, you got to take that Mr. K- K- Mr. T starter kid off. <laughs> and they got all these jewels and diamonds and gold and silver on. And all of a sudden, not only does praise and worship cause our guys not to have to fight, but they get to go. And three days, everybody in Israel's rich. Cause there was numbers; they were outnumbered, maybe hundred to one. Say your enemies are worth $10,000 and you get the spoils of 100 enemies. And it was because of proper praise and worship. Having an intimate relationship with God daily and you were filled with the power of God and then you didn't even get to use it. He decided y'all going to set this out I got the angels today. They need to work out. Of course, they won't break a sweat on this crowd. It'll be done pretty quick. And that's what you see because of praise and worship. Because you engage the seven words. Because you're obedient, you have the right heart. You're not mixing sin with your praise and worship. You're not causing my grandkids to stumble by sitting there and looking at your electronics. An abundance of valuables, verse 25 says. Abundance of valuables. What were they doing with their abundance of valuables? I can't get over that. Can y'all? Never heard nobody preach this. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, which means the valley of blessings. The ites thought they were going to war. And the Israelites went to the bank. Because of praise and worship. That's a pretty cool story right there, y'all. That's a pretty cool story. Amen? They re- re- returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of him. You, you notice that? Every man. How in the world do we not have casualties? We know that everybody in Judah wasn't all that right with God. They just followed somebody that was was. But because of the leaders being so right with God, their love covered a multitude of sins, and they came back alive rich. So God could testify to their spirit that this is what happens to people that live righteously and holy and do the right thing. That's God. That's grace right there. That's wonderful, ain't it? Now then, you understand this, verse 27. Then they returned every man to Judah and Jerusalem with a Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy. You hear that? Everybody say, with joy. joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. Do you understand what that means if you're from the hood? (laughs) Do you understand what they're saying? This is the truth. They All of them are dead, and they walk over them and go, now then. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It is an arrogant boast for the Lord. Amen. And it's like they're going, now then. You thought you was jumping on the little old Israel, and you jumped on our God, didn't you? That's what they did. They walked around over dead bodies going, now then. Now, I don't know how they did it in their language. It was Hebrew, so it was a lot of this <laughs> going on. <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know how cool you can be doing that. But I'm, I grew up on Pleasant Drive in Oplock, Alabama. And it was now then for us. Isn't that cool? And the fear of God on verse 29 was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Verse 30, my favorite verse. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. For his God gave him rest all around. See, that is peace that passes all understanding. Where did it start, Joseph? Where did it start? It started with that leader taking his crown off and bowing down to the king of kings on his face and worshiping him. It started in praise and worship, not with I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You listen to me. Don't follow false doctrine. It's a daily thing. It's not a one-time shout. Can you imagine one day of peace today? I mean, I know you got things going on in your life. I mean, this king, God struck fear in all these heights. And it says he had rest and peace. What do you do when you're a king and you ain't got to fight? <laughs> you form barbershop quartets or something or king quartets? What do you do? in Almalanga, Gu- Guatemala, the power of God broke out in Al- Almalanga, Guatemala, there was four jails and two of them were always full. And the spirit of God moved. They were, they were uh, exporting uh, two trucks a month of their vegetables. They, they were a farming community. And the power of God fell and all the jails emptied out. Everybody got saved. And the, and the staff of those jails and the police officers had to f- form quartet and do quartet competitions because they didn't have anything to do. And they started exporting several trucks a day. And the grapes were bigger, big like the ones in Israel. And the melons grew faster and they became greatly prosperous because of the power of God broke out. Why wouldn't we want God to do something like that for us? when it's all through the Bible and there's a repetition, if you do what they do, you're going to get what they get. Turn your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 13. I'm going to try to talk you into this. I want to talk you into what God says. So maybe we can break out like this. We'll have some peace and quiet People stop getting sick. Stop dying on us. I'm ready to win. I'm tired of grieving. I told buddy today, I said, it's so good to come over here and see y'all. And it makes me think, that it's going to be all right. 2 Chronicles 13 verse 1 in the 18th year the king Jeroboam Abijah became king over Judah the, the, the kingdoms had split uh, because Rehoboam was young and inexperienced and Jeroboam used his young inexperienced, and he took uh, 10 tribes with him and it left a half tribe and the tribe of Judah uh, in Jerusalem and, uh, and they, they started wanting to war against each other a- Abijah became the king over Judah. And he reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. And there was war between Abijah of Judah and Jeroboam of Israel. Abijah set the battle in order with an army of valiant warriors, 400,000 choice men, Jeroboam who was a devil. You hear me? He was a devil. He was an idolater. You understand me? He was a rapist. He was everything negative that a king could be. Jeroboam also drew up a, a... in a battle formation against him with 800,000 choice men, mighty men of valor. Let me tell you why I called him a rapist. I don't care what your authority is and how high you are. You cannot use your authority to force somebody to have relations with you. That's called rape. You'll go to jail in Georgia for that. You hear me? And kings could do that then. If a king was evil, he could call out somebody's wife and she had to submit to him. And that's rape. He was a devil. So then Abijah stood up on Mount Zimmerim which is in the mountains of Ephraim and said hear me Jeroboam and all Israel. Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever to him and his sons by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, rose up and rebelled against his Lord. Then worthless rogues gathered to him and strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and inexperienced, he was an immature child, and could not withstand them. And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hand of the sons of David, and you are a great multitude, and with you are the gold calves which Jeroboam made for you as gods. Verse 9. Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and made for yourself priests like the peoples of other lands, so that whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may be a priest of things that are not gods? Verse 10. But as far as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. And the priests who minister to the Lord are the sons of Aaron and the Levites attend to their duties. Verse 11. And they burn to the Lord every morning and every evening burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. They also set the showbread in order on the pure gold table and the lampstand of gold with its lamps to burn every evening. For we keep the command of the Lord our God. But you have forsaken him. Now look. God himself is with us as our head. And his priests With sounding trumpets to sound the alarm against you, O children of Israel. Do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers, for you shall not prosper. There are idolaters. There are idolaters in here right now. Your opinions, your agendas, and your feelings circumvent the word of God all the time. And some of you scoff when the power of God makes out. You're an idolater. For you shall not prosper. Verse 13. But Jeroboam caused an ambush to go around behind them. See, they had rules of engagement in that civilization. And you wasn't supposed to do that. It was going to be mano a mano, face to face. But Jeroboam, being the scoundrel he was, he cheated. Even though he had ten tribes with him, they outnumbered Judah a, a, a lot. Okay? And and the ambush was behind them. And when Judah looked around, now who was Judah? Judah was what? Praise. Praise. Judah was in Jesus' lineage, the line of the tribe of Judah. Oh, boy. Listen to this. And when Judah looked around, to their surprise, the battle line was both front and rear. You know why it surprised them back then? Their armor only covered their front side. Because of the rules of engagement. They didn't have nothing covering their boot boot in the back and their neck. All they had was like linen. I mean, that'll horrify you when somebody's got a sharp sword and a spear. And you ain't got nothing between you and them. And this is what happened. Listen. And when Judah looked around to their surprise, the battle line was both front and rear, and they cried out. That means cried out means panicked. They panicked. This wasn't a shout to the Lord. They went, ah! That's what their first response. Some of them, the weaker ones, cried out. And listen to this. To the Lord. And the priests sounded the trump- trumpets. They brought order. After the panic, they had to come back into order. And they were trained to, when they heard that trumpet, they could sidestep their soul and they would come back into order. They're ready. That's cool stuff, y'all. See, he's talking to us. Don't let anything panic you to get out of order and not do the things of God that you know to do to defeat the devil. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Then the men of Judah, they didn't cry out this next time. The Bible says they gave a shout, a war shout it's called. And as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all of Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hands. What did they do? They worshiped. They praised. They got out of panic. They got out of their own soul. And they went back to their training. And their heart came and they, they brought, and they snapped to attention. It didn't matter that they were behind them and that they didn't have all this armor in the back. But then they shouted and they kept shouting. And, and, and guess what happened? The Lord sent angels to rout them. Angels are a lot tougher than we are. It's been rumored that Chuck Norris is really an angel. A short one. Somebody said Chuck Norris had been dead for 10 years, but the Grim Reaper is afraid to tell him. (laughs) He's so bad. But we're talking about angels. Because they praised and they worshiped. We're talking about angels from heaven. The, the, the Lord of hosts, the two-thirds that was left, they came in a battle array and they squashed a multitude. Now you think about that? That's what we need today to keep a clear mind and have peace all around us. We know that the Lord will do what He said He's going to do. Amen? And they fled before Judah and God delivered them in the hand. Then Abijah and his people struck with a great slaughter. So 500,000 choice men of Israel fell slain. He let them finish them all. He confused them, beat them up a little bit, and let them finish them. Thus the children of Israel were subdued at that time. In other words, their idolatry was also subdued. You hear me? Not only were they, but who they were was subdued. Their demons were subdued. How to preach, y'all. And the children of Judah prevailed because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. God's system of deliverance. God's system of deliverance starts with accurate, well thought out, humble, engaging, focused praise and worship. And there's no way around it. And quit giving excuses. It's a reason you have demonic oppression on your children at at night. They're they're waking up crying. Somebody hadn't shaken hell out of the house in praise and worship. And Abijah pursued Jeroboam and and took cities from him, Bethel with its villages, Jeshanah with its village, and Ephraim with its villages. So Jeroboam did not recover strength again in the days of Abijah, and the Lord struck him, and he died. See, the one that was in worship of himself died. But look at verse 21. But Abijah grew mighty. The one that had the worship of God, Abijah grew mighty. Do you want to be mighty in the kingdom of God? Be the first one to break out praising and worshiping when there's an attack. Go to the throne instead of to the phone. Y'all getting tired of listening? I'll close this junk out. I'll go home and eat me a sandwich. <laughs> if y'all not engaged. Exodus 17. Exodus 17. Listen to this. You're going to like this. I'm going to be closing in a minute. I'm not going to do seven closings. I'm going to do one. Exodus 17 verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with a rod of God in my hand. And Moses was old and he was, he was tired. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became very heavy, so they took a stone to put it under them, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek under heaven. And I noticed a few things about that. It took praise and worship to defeat Amalek. It took the head guy to do it. The old wise guy, even though he was beat down and tired. But it also took some young guys to help him do it. Armor bearers. And this is where we get, number one, this is where we get the anointing And wisdom of the older partnering with the zeal and the strength of the younger to get the job done. We desperately need each other in praise and worship. Who's the oldest people in here? I want you to stand up if you're over 50. The younger need to see you, no matter how tired and broke down you are, to do all you can do in praise and worship. God's not trying to get you to do something these kids can do. He's not to get, trying to get you to do something you can't do, but he wants you to do all you can do. Amen. I watched a guy in a wheelchair and he's he's uh paralyzed from here down and he dances in the wheelchair. Don't tell me you can't, you're too old. These young ones need to see you do it though. They need something to follow. And then when they follow, they not only follow, they will help hold your arms up when you're weary and we will defeat the hordes of hell together. It takes the the wisdom and the leadership of the old partnering with the strength of the young for us to win the battle. And without it, we cannot win. We cannot go in revival. Thank you all very much. Sit down. Thank you. Second... God does not let the older retire and hand it over to the youth. He partners them up first and then hands it over as they mature. You cannot say when you're going to retire. So you better get it in your mind. You've got to refire. That's right. It's time to refire instead of retire. I'm going to tell you if somebody old took off running, I'd run too. It encouraged me to see some zeal in the old again. And it encourages young people because it took the old king to get on his face for everybody to follow him and win these battles. Third, God hadn't called the older to do what they are not able to do, but older people, he's called you to still do all you can do, and he will send the stronger to help you. I want to make sure I said it again. Fourth, the leaders were praise and worshipers in the Bible With all their strength, and because of it, demons were routed. Spiritual warfare was achieved, and revival broke out. And there was prosperity, and there was peace that passes all understanding, that you were at rest with your enemies. You wasn't being persecuted at work anymore by somebody demon-possessed because you were mighty. To stand up in private and please God. And he exalted and honored you. And put the fear of God on your enemies. And they wouldn't mess with you anymore. And you have peace on all sides. You would get the promotion. Not the devil. Y'all that's mighty. That's a promise. But we've got to press back to what we're supposed to be. We've got to make a time for God tomorrow morning. Or tonight. And we got to give them something. We ain't got to start off doing two hours. We got to start off doing something, though. And it'll grow as you decide that this thing really works. It'll grow. And your kids will see a man of God and a woman of God instead of people who give lip service, except when they come to church where they praise their Jesus belt buckles and their God shirts. Trying to, it's like you're trying to talk yourself into it because you ain't real at home. And I like those shirts, but they ought to be on somebody that's real because kids know when you ain't real. My heart is to rescue the second and third generation, and we're, going to, we're not going to rescue them as a church. You're going to rescue them as the priest of your home. Revival's going to start in your house, and you're going to come to church together and we're going to come together and we're going to be a corporate revival. But revival's got to start in your house. you got to cut that TV off. You've got to cut, cut some of that hellishness off that you've justified with your humanistic minds. You've really been punked out by the devil. You believed a lie. And there's no power in your life. And you're too, and you're too proud to, to admit it. But it's time to admit it. I need Jesus first. And if I got Jesus first, this thing works. When I put something else first, that's idolatry. It don't work so well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. We thank you, Father, that from the prophetic perspective, there it is. It's not the most popular perspective. It's not the feel-good perspective, but it is a challenging perspective to change our lives. Father God, I ask you to touch us all. Touch me and cause me to be the leader I'm supposed to be. And me to lead in praise and worship. Me to encourage the lead worshipers and not discourage them with my lack of engagement. Oh God. None of this is possible without what Jesus did on the cross. Show us how to be in revival in our homes. Show us how to take revival in the marketplace. Show us how to be revival on the river walk. Show us how to be revival in the emergency rooms. Show us how to be revival in the soup kitchens. Show us how to be revival to the orphan and those in jail. Show us how to be revival that we might break through and prosper in this ministry you've dedicated and given to us and you've trusted us with. Let us not leave the first precepts that we learn and go on and be ministry-minded, but let us be relationship-minded where we have a relationship, a viable, vibrant, intimate relationship, a daily relationship with you. And because of it, we have confidence to go and do great exploits for you. And I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. That's all I got. Amen. That's the best I got. I hope, I hope, I beg, I beg you to engage this word and, and listen. I beg you. Let's go together. Let's go together into revival. Let's go together and go back to our churches and bring revival from our houses. Let's get serious and engage and let nothing be ahead of what God wants to do in our lives. Let's talk our kids and our wife. Let's talk our husbands and into doing this at home and worshiping and letting the freedom of God get all over the house and drive the demons out of the bedrooms and the demons out of the living room that we brought in watching the wrong TV. I'm telling you, it's time to stand up, not think this thing's hokey, and not listen to the humanist that this Pentecostal thing's a little weird. It ain't weird, it's peculiar. Weird's a a cult word. You know that. Weird's a cult word. Peculiar is a God word. and If we're not peculiar, we're not on the narrow way. If we're not on the narrow way, nobody's going to follow us. I encourage you, as a set man in this house, to go back and encourage your worship leader by engaging in praise and worship. I I encourage you senior pastors to give back. Give back the focus on your praise and worship's ministry and worship with him and encourage him as you require of him focusing when you're preaching and teaching. I encourage you to be as great an encourager to your praise and worshiper as you want him to be to you. That'll break out in revival. We can get a couple of senior pastors to get a hold of that and quit being sidetracked in praise and worship. We'll see a revival break out. Amen. Amen.